0: Oh, my God. You are way too loud. Me? Yeah, no, I have to adjust something in my end. Where do I adjust this?
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Not the volume, because, well, I don't know. Boy, the the Skype ring was so
1: loud. Uh, you could turn it. You're on a road podcaster, right?
0: No, uh, I think I'm probably all set here. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Hello. Oh, no, you're still loud. Oh, Jesus. Where do Jesus. I change that? Where do uh, I change that? Let's see. Uh, uh, just me loud, not you loud. No, it's not. This is not your problem. This is my problem over here. Not this is your problem. So you do, do that. Not, yeah, do not change anything on your end. You're, Hello. You're just fine. Mm-hmm. I, I got a limiter. Speakers. Speakers. Oh, my goodness. Oh, how oh, much
1: better I found it. Okay. All right. Say Hello. <laughs> oh, I had a nap. And uh, I feel uh, relatively strong. That's good. Yeah, it is. It's real good. Real good. Sorry to uh, perturb your plans today. Mm-hmm. Oh, save it for the show. No, no, no. Um, We'll see if we get to that. But yeah, that that's a project I need to do when my family isn't home because it uh, generates odious smoke smell smells that make them sad. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, Just off the top, uh, hey, uh, this is uh, one of those weeks where uh, members of uh, Relay and our program get some bonus content. The scheduled bonus content for this week is that uh, we'll find out if I did my homework of making John Syracuse's super secret, top secret, confidential pasta sauce. Uh, And uh, if you want to become a member and listen right now, you go to relay.fm slash rd. Yep. And to be clear, uh, if you're a member and you download the
0: member version of this episode, at the end of this episode, like for non-members, the episode will end. But for members, the episode will continue after a, a jaunty little jingle. And that's the part where we'll talk about our special
1: content. Yes. Let's see. We, looks like we got some follow up here. You have follow up from a listener about now. Is this is this about the uh, the, the 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 big rock? What's this about? Sure is. Yeah. OK, tell, tell Kai Russell tells us what. What is this? Yep. It says that the name that
0: people use for what I referred to in the last show is Ayers Rock, which is that big kind of like, I don't know, like a plateau looking big bulge thing coming out of the flat
1: desert in Braves Australia or something different.
0: No, it's a rock. It's an actual rock. I said Ayers Rock, which I'm surprised I could actually pull that out of memory. These days, it's called Uluru, which is much more fun to say and is not the name of, you know, colonizers or whatever. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. So go with Uluru although I, I, I I'll put a link in the show notes to this uh parksaustralia.gov.au site that talks about this in a in a way that tries to be uh even-handed but I feel like Uluru is a better name because it's much more fun to say and like I said it's probably been the name for many years before it was called Ayers Rock.
1: Yeah, there's one of those in uh well what well, I'm going to use the name of the country the English name from the colonizers which is New Zealand. Mm-hmm. What was it called before that? well what it was always called and is still called i learned in the uh, early 80s uh split end song six months mm. in a Le- leaky boat Do you know that song no i don't oh come on when is i was that a split ends boy. with a z at the end of the day yes D? yes mm-hmm. the finn brothers at all mm-hmm. you know them from songs like uh, i got you and history never repeats and then they became jason snell's favorite band crowded house um, so, uh, we're not doing feigned surprise on here, but there's, uh, the second, first of that song begins, let's say, Aotearoa, rugged individual. And, uh, Aotearoa, I believe is the, uh, I don't want to get in trouble, but it's the name. It's the name of New Zealand. That's what, uh, you before know. Before it was, before it was called New Zealand.
0: Yes. Back when it was old Zealand. Boy, I, I feel for people trying to transcribe
1: those lyrics, it sounds it's like an R M song. I never knew. I. I mean, back in the day, I, my friend had that album. And uh, I guess I'd seen that weird video, but uh, I didn't know that. <sighs> New Zealand's so cool. I don't want to keep, keep going on about it. I don't want to become a New Zealand guy. Mm-hmm. But, but boy, it's a really cool country. Um, how do you feel about stuff like that? Um, hang on. I'm going to type this down. Sorry about the clicking. By the way, I'm trying to run Isotope more often to get rid of my clicking. Apologies in advance, but I have to type. Oh, is part of the charm. Well, people people get mad. I got a request from a Roderick on the Line listener that I get something, I, I believe the listener referred to it as a click button, which is a button that I would use to cover up the click sounds.
0: Hmm. But yeah, but that's, but you'd have to press the button, but the whole thing about the clicking is you're using both your hands to do the clicking. Well, so. this is
1: our concern, dude. How would you have mm-hmm. a click boy? This is the have a silent click button? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm I, working I, on I it. Definitely, definitely do that in post. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of upgrades here, John. I got a lot going on right now. You would not believe my channels. I got a, lot, I got a lot going on here too. Oh, okay. Well, well I want to hear about that. Uh, but no, I'm going to save that for a different show
0: because it's all tech nerd stuff.
1: Okay, cool, cool. Well, you can save it for your for your popular show. Mm, yeah,
0: I'm going to save it for my tech show because it's all tech stuff.
1: Ooh,
0: your tech show. Give me a That's why I'm having problems with the setup here. You'll hear about it on my tech show. Will I? You that will. assumes
1: a lot just because I pay for your shit. doesn't mean I listen to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, listen right, you, guys to it. Once do it you pay every for week. it. You have to listen to it.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Fair. That's the, that's the rule. Um, I mean, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know, it feels like for white people, it's a fairly recent phenomenon to realize that things <laughs> <laughs> renamed everything that we, that we stole. <laughs> it's well, it's right me. there in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's like, I remember one of the things we learned in my environmental ethics class is like the power of naming. And like when you, when you have the opportunity, it's like putting a flag down. Essentially, when you put a new name on something, you perhaps not not deliberately, or perhaps extremely deliberately, you're trying to basically eradicate the history of that thing and turn it into something that, you know, well, you know, what, what was uh, what New York, what's uh, New York, Amsterdam? You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and then when you first became aware of that phenomenon, how did you feel about it? Like Denali, or you know, or or things like that. How did you feel about that when you first learned about it's,
0: it? It's it's kind of interesting because of where where I grew up. Uh, everything has, well, not everything, a lot of things have uh, names that are derived from Native Americans, but like it's a phonetic sort of like, here's kind of what that word sounded like to an English person, right? And then they just phonetically spell it, right? So the names of all the places. Don't sound like names from places in England, but I imagine uh, people, the, the Native people would say, yeah, but that's not, you're not that's not what it's actually called that's just your weird it's it's like that story that was going around today of the apparently the uh scots translation of wikipedia is entirely <laughs> yeah. done by this one teenager who's just uh making all the words sound kind of scottish based on like groundskeeper <laughs> willie from the simpsons but,
1: do, but doing like a um like a sid caesar like double talk version of what what do you what do you, yeah. what do you think scottish person sounds and like. and so
0: that's what all the place names
1: all around are like except there are also of course the ones that are you
0: know for me like like in new york and stuff like that but anyway in, in general for things like denali or the the whatever the name of the thing is where the where uh mount rushmore is on i guess mount yeah. anyway all the original names for those things yeah go back to the original names like everything needs to be named after some you know we, we we uh we fought for independence from that country there's no reason we need to have all the things be named by those people and if the thing already had a name uh what is the one in, in uh, alaska the, the big i guess that's denali right the one that used to be Mount McKinley. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just go back to the original names.
1: It's interesting though, because for example, like two things I know, because there's always two things with me. Two things I know about the great state of Rhode Island. I call it Little Rhodey, shaped like a tooth. Two things I know about that because my lady. Uh, what's what's funny about that? Shaped like a tooth. Shaped like a tooth. I mean, that's an unhealthy. You never heard tooth. that. That's an unhealthy tooth for sure. Well, you haven't met a lot of people in that. Mm-hmm. So the uh, here's what I know. Two things I know. One is there are many, many, many uh, what appear to be. Uh, what's the generic term for this? At least they say First Nations, or you say like the original inhabitants, in, the people in, we indigenous killed. Indigenous people? Yeah, I guess that works. I don't know. I should learn the correct name for that, but a lot of stuff named for that. And second, no matter what I say, I'm saying it wrong. So like, oh, here's the exit for Wound Socket. You're uh-huh. like, oh no, you got to say it as Wandskid or whatever. I, yeah, because that's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's it's indigenous name
0: as as translated by someone who doesn't know the language, who's probably English, and then as said by people who've lived there over many years and are used to like swallowing up half the syllables of the word. So it's like three times mangled. Yeah, You you have no chance.
1: Yeah, but it's it's also it's funny, though, because there's it goes, I don't want to say it goes both ways, but I agree with you. I think it makes sense if there is a traditional name for something, then why not call it what the people from there call it? But then there's also that funny phenomenon of, or that kind of racist phenomenon of like, think about every scout camp or summer camp you've ever heard of. They all, they all have like a, like a, like a, like a, a funny, to, funny to the uh, English speaking ear sort of musical Native American sounding name. Mm-hmm. That's entirely fabricated. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. But, you know, my dad was an Eagle Scout and was, went to many, many, many camps. And I have uh, still a few of his old shirts. Camp Freelander, I think, is probably anglicized, uh, but some of the other ones there, they I don't even <laughs> I don't want to bing bong my ching chong mm-hmm. trying to make come up with one. But yeah, there was a
0: there was a web comic that someone had started many years ago. Uh, it was about a summer camp where parents drop off their kids that they don't want anymore and just leave them there and never come and pick them up. Wow, right? Yeah. it was called. It was called, and you can imagine the spelling of this is all one word. It was called Camp We Don't Want You. <laughs> Which is probably not culturally sensitive, but yeah. it's a funny joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it's, it, it is funny, though, how we like to do a little bit of salting and peppering of these kinds of things. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's probably better to avoid it all. I'm on the page, uh, the Internet Science page for geographical renaming. And it's very long, but it, it does seem quite interesting. Um, Siam becomes Thailand. I will learn more about this. Um, but thank you, uh, to listener Kai Russell, Uluru. hmm Way more fun to say. Way more fun to say. Aotearoa e- 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 Rugged Individual. Mm. You know? hmm It's, it's a really good song. It's very well covered by a friend of the show, Ted Leo, just for what Fair. it's worth. All right. Uh, second follow-up item oh, did go happened? ahead hit me did with you it. happen to
0: uh, watch any of the relativity or calculus yeah stuff? i watched
1: all of them no 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 didn't yeah. no they're they're in my po- john well, this is almost as bad as your popular program we, we, we're doing too many of these there's not enough time I, for me to do i don't do anything just, except record just, podcasts now
0: you can just say no and then we can move on it's fine
1: but see this is so critical to your success is finding, and I thought about this a lot when I was uh, when I was or was not making your pasta sauce. You have to pay to find out if I made. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, I that 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 morning, I got up. I got up at like six thirty to make your goddamn pasta sauce. If I made it, I mean, it's, it's not the type of thing you have to wake up at six thirty to make. I assure you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if if I just start randomly assigning you things that take three hours, you will find a way to just fit it in because you don't have to do anything else. Random? It's not random. Oh, it's random. Yeah. But I've, I found myself thinking this is this is completely insane. And I know I've walked, and I'll cover this in the discussion of whether I did or did not do it. But I walked right into another one of your traps. And here's your trap. Your trap is not, here's the thing to make your life better, Merlin. Here's not something that's going to be fun. At one point by like 7 a.m., I'm realizing how much I am sweating whether I'm getting this right. Because you said specifically, spoiler alert for last one, you said specifically you're pretty sure because I eat gas station pasta sauce, <laughs> uh-huh. neither my family nor I will like it. And yet, and yet- That's called managing I, expectations. Is that what that is? You do that. Yes. No, yes. no, that, that, that's called I am basically, and then you, you had these three giant, I wish people could see this email because it is such a, version one and two of the email mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. such a legitimate first round draft Hall of Fame John Syracuse a classic email Maybe the second best email I ever got from you, apart from the time I sent you some a zip file of some Jonathan Colton MP3s, and you said, "If memory serves, thank you very much for sending this to me." Also, why would you ever zip MP3 files? Oh, I
0: didn't say why would you. That's your inner voice. My actual voice. You know, I can search does for it and find like it in that. like a second. Yeah, so go please do and okay, find I will. out that it absolutely
1: does not say why would tr-
0: you ever zip MP3s. That's what you would say.
1: I think what you, you I think what you probably said was something more like like much more truly syracuse like which is a long More sarcastic for sure. It was more like I'm so you're, I'm so happy you gave these to me that I'm not even going to give you a hard time about why you Yeah, z- that sounds more like Does that me. sound like you? You did that, that. sure does. Okay. <laughs> um, but I realized I walked right into the trap and it's all on me. Bad on me for falling into or walking into another one of your your series of traps. Three giant paragraphs where you you uh, stipulate there's only three ways to screw up this recipe. Well, first of all, I don't love a recipe where there's three ways I could screw it up. Oh, there's usually way more, right? <laughs> oh, uh, maybe maybe I'm just a uh, risk avoidant, but I tend to make things I want to eat that, are, that where I won't be evaluated. Oh, this is by for w- your work. It's it's your the traps you lay. You lay a trap that I I can never win. You are hypercritical and there's no way. I know that's why your fine monkeys love you. Give you the big bucks for this. I understand. They love to see your co-hosts humiliated by the traps that you have laid. And I said to myself, and I said to my wife, I said, I said to her, I says, this is, this is the worst because I'm fretting over a pasta sauce I've been informed that I will not like knowing that the main way I will be evaluated is how many ways I did it wrong. Did I, make the, did I make the basil black by putting it in the refrigerator? Stop, Whoopsie stop saying, stop saying basil. You got to cut it just this way, but right before you use the stems. and <sighs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't, get, we? Dis- don't, all don't right. get distracted I'm so angry at this point. I don't that. even, I can't even, I can't even. I mean, but straight.
0: you realize this is what everybody's actual jobs are like. Doing something that they don't even want to do, that they're under incredible pressure for. And they, like, that's, that's work for
1: everybody. And so that should make me feel bad Why?
0: Uh, that shouldn't make you feel bad. It should make you feel like uh, you are, you are enjoying an experience that many other people get to experience, thus broadening your horizons and giving you further empathy for the the mass of humanity.
1: Oh, so now I'm ungrateful. Is that what this is? I mean, you're a little ungrateful, sure. Yeah, I am a little ungrateful. Okay, would you give me permission, uh, assuming that I have been able to use the Gmail app to find an email from you from August 11th, 2011, would you permit me to read it to you? Go for it. I love you so much right now. I'm not even going to discuss your decision to zip an MP3 file. That's
0: even, that's even better. Boy, version one, definitely not me. Version two sounded like me. Version
1: three, nailed it. And then I said, and that makes me love you, which is a lie. It was a lie then. It's mm-hmm, a lie now. Mm-hmm. My worst friend.
0: I wasn't lying, though, because I did love that you gave me
1: those Jonathan Colton were they? Do you remember? Were they the oh, were they the tracks? You're not telling. Okay, all right. I don't, rem-
0: I don't remember. What, you can just—is the attachment still there? Just open it up. And see I don't know. It's
1: zipped. I can't see the files.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can unzip it, uh, thus making
1: the files smaller. I told you that Jonathan smells awesome, and it's probably we talked about Dan McCoy. Oh my god! Oh my god, John. Interestingly, did I
0: recommend the flop house in that email?
1: <laughs> um, August 10th, 2011. We'll cut this if you think this is. Interestingly, which is not a great way to begin a sentence. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. my friend's brother, Dan McCoy, has been doing the Flophouse podcast with The Daily Show writer, Elliot Kalin, for many years. And Dan actually just got a job writing for The Daily Show alongside his longtime host. Uh, By the way, in this print below that new paragraph, the Flophouse is a great podcast. By the way, but the back catalog is so large now, and the in jokes are so lit that it may be too hard for new listeners. This is 2011, like (laughs) ten years ago. (laughs)
0: 2011. It was true then, though it was hard. It was still true then. It's even more true now.
1: This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Friends, make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Whatever it is you want to make. Maybe you want to make an online store or a portfolio or a blog. You want to put up galleries, anything you want to do. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you create your own beautiful little home on the web. Of course, there's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. This is a recent thing. We used to have to worry about patches. I don't miss that. Upgrades don't need it. Squarespace has got you covered. And hey, listen, if you ever run into a a jam, just let them know. They have 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. All of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace is very fun to get started with. I can't say that about that many things. <sighs> this would have put me out of business when I was a web boy. I'm so glad it exists. I'm so glad it's easy. It's so fun to make a site, to maintain a site. You can try on different templates. Please go and give it a try because it's a really, really cool service. Their plans start at just $12 per month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required right now by going to squarespace.com diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, use the very special offer code DIFFS, and that will get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and it will show your support for John Syracuse. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash DIFFS, offer code DIFFS for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Uh oh, um. So there's that. We have another. Oh, that was the follow up. So what hell have I been watching? Let, let's check in on Merlin's uh, Merlin's uh, TL here on my history. Oh, we did a fairly deep dive on the work. Uh, I made mean, my kid watch some Trevor Horn related projects. Uh, Baby reacts to Tom Waits, very good. A <laughs> uh, ton of performances from Rent. Oh, Spring Awakening at the Tonys. With a very 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 young Jonathan Groff, so cute. Uh, Jacques Pepin uh, teaches how to make steak. A lot of blondie videos. Not a bit of uh, calculus. Hmm. I, like I said, start with relativity
0: one. Just ignore the calculus one. Do you like me. Rent? I don't think I have seen any portion of Rent except for maybe the parts that
1: were featured in the commercials when it was
0: airing on television.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, you know, I, it's, I I like it. I like. I mean, especially I like the music a lot. But the um, there's. Three versions I'm aware of, apart from bootlegs, best known, of course, is the 2005 uh, movie that my daughter my daughter begged me to watch because it's got uh, uh, the guy from Star Trek in it, uh, Anthony Rapp. Another version that might be known is the one that was on TV. I think you were just talking about, which is really good too. But uh, 2008, there's a they shot when I guess when the show was about to close, they did a really beautiful performance of it on Broadway. And Maureen is played by Angelica Schuyler. And she slaps, man. She's very fit. She's got a very athletic performance in this one song. And she looks like she has been doing a lot of Pilates. Has a very cool outfit. And uh, she sings that song, Take Me Out, uh, Out Tonight, which is a very good song. We'll find it for notes. That's my history. Uh, uh, the Dr. X Doomsday Telethon from uh, Mr. Show. A lot of Apollo Robbins content. Some Scientology. Some Yes videos. I'm probably, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't gotten into calculus, but I, I have a pretty diverse background in, you know, things white people like.
0: And by the way, people asked about that for the last week's show. They wanted to know, where are the playlists for relativity in Calculus? They're in the show notes for last week's show.
1: Oh, no, no, that's a Mr. Show bit. For yeah. this week's show, exactly. We don't know. the Anyway, we'll,
0: maybe we'll put them in link, uh, links in this week's show notes as well, just so people can find them
1: better. John so, do, do are you familiar when I say the Dr. X Doomsday telethon? Do you, have you seen enough Mr. Show to have seen that episode?
0: Nope. Mm. Although you
1: probably sent me clips of it. So I bet if you sent me another clip of it, I'd be like, oh yeah, this looks familiar. It's a pretty, it's a pretty funny bit. Cause it's basically it's a parody of like a Jerry Lewis, Labor Day Telethon. It's except... not
0: the same thing as the one where he's pretending to be uh, Xavier at the school interviewing people.
1: That's no, that's, that's the X-Men, the EX-Men, uh, okay. which is Dr., Dr. X is Spider-Man villain? Dr. X is Bob Odenkirk. I believe in a wig and a monocle. And he, every year he has a telethon where if he gets enough money, he agrees not to blow up earth. Hmm. And um, it's this is not funny to you, but perhaps it'll be relevant to the listeners. You know how I am? You know how I am where I do that thing where like I can't stop myself from making an association and then having a tweet about it without context mm-hmm. and people will get it or not. Every time I watch one of these ding presentations where the president brings up a bunch of people to congratulate him, especially, like, business owners, and they talk about, like, you know, the Pillow guy talks about what an amazing time this is for America. It always reminds me of that sketch. Because you remember during, you remember during the, um, the Labor Day telethon, there would be somebody from 7-Eleven, there'd be, like, three guys from 7-Eleven in suits to come up and, like, give a check. And whenever they did it, they would talk like this, and they would come up and say, on behalf of all the 7-Elevens and the franchisees of 7-Eleven, we would like to thank you, Jerry, for your very important work helping get your, kids with muscle, your kids with muscular dystrophy. That's all I can think of. When, when he brings up these thumb-headed weirdos to come up and compliment him, that's what it reminds me of. Mr. Show is, is arguably more relevant today than it's ever been. To, to you, if, certainly. I do that. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a very good show. It's a very good show.
0: Um, we'll talk, talk a little bit about what you had planned today, because <laughs> this is an interesting.
1: Uh, we have not talked thing. about. I feel like we've talked about this here. I don't
0: think so. You know why? Because look. Uh, so what you were going to do today was you were going to uh, season your cast iron skillets. I said. And- I
1: said to John Syracuse, I cannot believe we're recording a, yet another episode of this goddamn podcast because we've recorded. We recorded one two weeks ago. We're recording one tonight. Last week we had a visit with a friend of ours who's going to be in our annual. Um, the episode where we have a guest on to visit for, for our members. Uh, I love how that turned out with with our, with our friend. Um, and I was like, I cannot believe we're doing another one of these. Hey, listen, I'm not complaining except in so far as I am. Mm -hmm. But I was like, ah, tonight was going to be the night that I was going to, I was going to work on reseasoning my pants, my skillets. I've
0: watched a lot of YouTube videos about seasoning cast iron skillets. I've read countless articles about seasoning them. I've never actually done it. So that's why I'd love to hear about your experiences with this. Sounds like this
1: is not your first rodeo when it comes to cast iron skillet seasoning. This is, we had an idea on the You Look Nice Today program recently that we would start a YouTube channel where we would deliberately get most of the facts about something that people care a lot about wrong. You know, so we would <clears throat> do all kinds of stuff to like, you know, say that like the archer from Lord of the Rings is named Lego land and stuff like that. Um, I'm very close to, to unintentionally doing that here. You do not want to rile up the cast iron people. You, you know, there's those communities out there, like people who do Pearl and live in Massachusetts. There are people you don't want to rile up because they have a hair trigger for forgetting anything about it completely wrong. You know what I mean? I think with the cast iron, though, there are warring factions, aren't there? I like, think there are warring. F- yes, that's a really good way to put it. It's. I think in some ways it might be even closer to comic book fandom, where mm-hmm. there are numerous levels of nerdery, sort of like the, what was that called? The brunching shuttlecocks thing, the geek hierarchy, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so, so quick history on this is that uh, I have discovered um, in the past, like the, the cast iron pan is a really cool thing especially for things like uh, searing my beloved steaks and stuff like that. And w- what, what one might know about cast iron or not is that there is, there is a preferred way to treat it. And a cast iron skillet is less of a kitchen, ut- ut- um, kitchen utensil and more of like a long-term project. It's, it's kind of like owning an MG or like an Austin Healey. Like, this is your project now. You ha- yes, you have a car, but a lot of that time is going to be spent trying to make your sprite run. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I I get that angle and I see that from, you know, like you're going to get this thing and there's a maintenance regime that you're never going to get right because you'll find conflicting opinions about it. But boy, it will be worth it. Like you're like the MG. Like, oh, well, you know, if you you take care of it, it'll be an amazing experience. But I have a cast iron pan that I bought, I don't know, many, many years ago Mm -hmm. and I do nothing to it. It came, quote unquote, pre-seasoned.
1: Right yeah, yeah. And most, and most modern I, ones do, yeah,
0: and I just what I do is I cook with it, and then I clean it afterwards. It's not particularly nonstick, but for the things I use it for, like I just used it uh yesterday to sear steaks, it's fine,
1: yeah, yeah, that's that's the so then now, just in terms of a quick bit of prologue, at some point, I feel like it must have been in my third year of college. um I acquired a cast iron pan because it seemed like a cool thing to have, and um, it took me, I believe I want to say. Almost exactly one usage to ruin it, and so it, even though it was, as they say, pre-seasoned, uh, like most, like I say, most of them are. But I didn't know all the lore about it, and so I treated it like I would treat anything in my uh, in my rental, which was uh, it, it would I put some hot water and soap in it and throw it into the sink, which is fine for most you know things you have bought at Walmart to make food in 1989, but boy. That one time, and again, I didn't know the lore, this is before the internet was invented and before Skoltz had such access to it, but it rusted the hell up after one usage and I put it in the trash. And I was like, okay, never doing that again. Uh, Flash forward, I eventually did get other ones. And even though I knew enough, I'd learned enough by the 2000s to know, to be very careful with especially water and maybe as importantly, detergent, so I, 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 I knew enough to know that there were ways I could go wrong, but I didn't know quite enough to know like, how to really treat this like the project that it was. So the way it works is a cast iron skillet is made out of cast iron. And back in the many, many years ago, you'd get a cast iron skillet that was unseasoned. So what is seasoning? So there's this, and I'm not a scientist or a scientician or a Scientologist, but it's my understanding that the way this works is when you cook in a cast iron pan, there's a very interesting scientific-ish process that happens. You're heating it up, you're using oils in it, you're 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 cleaning it, you know, maybe just with hot water and in my case this little chainmail thing I'll tell you about in a minute. But but the odd thing that happens is over time this the seasoning is that by by oils being applied to it, cooking with certain kinds of oils, avoiding things like high acid foods like tomato, a crazy thing happens which is that there is a, it's not polymerase, it's, there's a word for this, but it's, it's what happens when there's this, this crazy kind of bonding that happens at a high temperature. And so a really good, really old, like grandma's uh, beloved cast iron pan she's had for 60 years, it is, it can be, this is going to be so surprising if you're new to this world, it can be practically like a nonstick pan, but with all the performance characteristics of the super hot cast iron. So basically, it's my understanding that when you put this, oil, apply this oil to it, when you heat it over time, it's creating chemical bonds that are similar to, for, perform, well, are almost like plastic in that it's, it's very strong, it's very smooth. And as long as you keep doing the right things to it, it will get better over time. And, but that is, I think that is part of the big project. Makes sense so far? Yeah. So my pan, like I said, I'm not doing these things to it. Uh, I've had it for
0: many years. I don't think it's getting better, but it's also not getting worse. So it's not particularly nonstick. I, I mean, here's the thing. I never cook anything in it where I would notice whether it was nonstick. Like the only thing I'm ever cooking there are like steaks, burgers. What else do mm-hmm. that? We did cornbread in it once, but that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, that's that's about it. Like I never tried to cook an egg in it. If I did, I imagine it would stick terribly. But like, yeah.
1: I'm not- Because there's going to be little spots where even if it's not rusty- if that, um, I, I don't know what word to use here, but if that, uh, if that accumulated plasticization is, um, has, is incomplete, I mean, the classic one would be like you've mostly taken care of it, but you didn't really clean it that well. So now there's some little nubbins mm-hmm. that are cooked onto there and you haven't he- sufficiently heated it and oiled it uh, in-, in between. And so if you try to cook an egg in there, there's all kinds of places for it to hang up. Like, I you should know what do I mean?
0: that. I'm going to
1: add that to my homework right now. I'm going okay. to try and egg in my a cast iron. So, um, um, and now you flash forward to today and like, the, you know, cast iron pan or cast iron skillet culture is definitely a thing. You can get some, sh- you know what we must have talked about this on By Friday. That was probably it. You can get these wildly high end, like super seasoned, like it really is like a mirror. Like, it's crazy how smooth, like, it arrives at your house. And then, of course, it's just yours to screw up. But it's so remarkable. Like, when we went camping a few weeks ago, uh, they there was stuff included with the unit we were in, and included, like, cast iron pans. And I was just agog at how nice the cast iron pan was. And I, I said to Madeline, like, how do you think they managed to keep this so nice when people who are not involved in cast iron culture are using it, like, on a campfire and then, you know, running off to Yosemite while it's full of uh, dish liquid. I don't know how they do it. I guess the person who, like, cleans the area, f- fixes it up? I don't know. but I mean, um, It's, it's kind
0: of like hardwood floors, though, like that rusty one that you threw out. My understanding, for, again, from watching all these videos reading all these things, is that, that, like, no matter how badly you screwed up, you can always essentially start, always over.
1: start over. You can always start over. Like, yeah, scrub we'll, we'll get it all off, get it down yeah. to the
0: bare iron and reseason it. So I imagine if you have run a campground and you're going to, you know people are going to be destroying these things, but... They're very, dirty. it's like, it's hard to break one. So yeah, they screw it up, it rusts, it gets
1: all mucky and gross. Yeah, they can just exactly.
0: refinish it and send it out. And, and, once, and if, if someone you're game, knows if you're that, game
1: yeah. for a project, it's actually kind of fun. So without regard to whether this is the correct way to do it or the only way to do it, the way that I've learned about mostly from YouTube. Um, well, first of all, I mean, step two, yeah, you, you try to take good care of it. So taking care of the pan at a minimal level uh, at least it's working pretty well for me is this so as I say avoid stuff like tomatoes because that's going to burn off some of your your uh, patina or whatever it's called but the really the important thing is that yeah you you really you want to minimize the amount of water in it you definitely want to get it very dry um, but also when you do clean it so so the way I do it like the basic way to me to maintain at a minimal level is that when i'm done cooking with it I let it cool off. I pour any of the grease and whatnot into, you know, like a, a soup can to throw out. And then I will run the water super hot and put, basically put hot water into the pan. And then I have this thing that's called the ringer, not the podcast, but the ringer is this little square, I'll put this in notes, little square of essentially chain mail. And with that hot water in there, so you could use tongs, I guess, or gloves or whatever, you go ham scraping that thing around inside and that's gonna get all the bits off right and will so you don't get those the 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 classic sort of lumpy uh feeling you don't want to you don't want to scrape off the seasoning that's on there but you do want to get the business off of there you get it super duper dry um you know with a paper towel or whatever i mean that, that, that uh, arguably i think that is the most critical part for maintaining is to like get it very very dry you put then you put a very very you might even want to heat it up again a little bit you put a very small amount of oil in there and i actually have i think it's linseed oil there's a kind of oil that you put in there and then in little circles you you make little circles like almost like a like a spiro spirograph get that all over the pan but you don't want it to like be you don't want to stay wet with oil you wipe off the excess and then normally, what you do is you put that. The easiest way for me is I just put it back into the oven upside down because you don't want the oil to pool. And then with a, with a uh, put it back into our oven with like a cookie sheet under it so that it'll catch any little bits that do come off. Um, and then we'll return to this in a sec. But the uh, then you use a very high temperature to repeatedly. Uh, again, it varies, but like the basic idea is you do. I want to say like four fifty. <laughs> you have you have your pans in the oven at something like 450. You you keep it in there for a while. Then you're gonna want to take it out. You might want to apply more oil to it. You start that over again and you do that over and over. Why was I doing that on it wanted to do that on a Tuesday night at 6 30? It makes a lot of smoke. And uh my family hates that. But but I would also, if you would allow it, I would love to talk. <laughs> this is very interesting. The people who love your popular podcast, I would love to talk a little bit about, about the process of like starting over because that's a fun project. You mean like bringing it all the way down to the the bare iron again. Yeah, like for example, we got a. Um, this is, I think, probably pretty. People could be probably pretty sympathetic to this. Like when we go camping, we bring along this really nice. Uh, so the, they're not the like nicest one of these, but I think probably the best known brand in cast iron cookware probably is this company called Lodge. So, like, if you have a cast iron pan you bought in the last 10 years, there's a pretty good chance to lodge. And they're good. They're fine. But they also make this great griddle. So, it's like a flat griddle. So, imagine, like, I don't know, maybe two feet wide, maybe a foot deep or so. And the idea is that on the one side, it's flat. And on the other side, it's got the uh, scalloped grill-like, uh, you know, pattern. And we would take that camping with us because it made it really easy to do stuff like cook bacon. But well, guess what? You go camping with something cast iron, you're doing your business. It's real easy to not take the greatest care of that. And I had one of those that got rusty. And as you said, I happen to also have an old cast iron skillet. And I've been hearing about this on skillet YouTube (laughs) and decided to do the uh, process of taking it all the way down and then all the way back up. Makes sense? So I've seen a lot
0: of videos for taking it down and a lot of them
1: involved power tools. Surprisingly, how did you do it? I did the cheaty one. And so, I mean, to summarize here, what you what you want to do is, you know, uh, ironically enough, you spend your life worrying about losing or screwing up your seasoning on your pan, but by, you know, by doing something that's too acidic or something that's too scrapey and breaking all the the rules of uh, skillet club, um, But on the other hand, uh, when you decide to start over, you need to take all of that off. Take all that all the way down. And there are many, many videos about this. The one that I followed that worked out pretty well was, not that this is great for the environment or my health, but I got a bunch of Easy Off. And you basically just, you you use so much Easy Off on this thing, on all the sides. Easy Off is an oven cleaner that cleans the gunk out the inside of your oven you do that all over this cast iron and you're gonna basically essentially bathe it you can i mean i think you can probably do like something almost acidic with this there's all kinds of ways power tools like you say whatever but uh so yeah so what you're gonna do is you're gonna in my case and, and this is not this is not legal advice but you put a ton of easy off on there uh and then you stick it into like a garbage bag let it do do its business come back after i think like a day do start over, do it again, and what you will discover is that you will still recognize it as a skillet, but boy, it looks real different. Instead of being shiny, it's very matte. Instead of being um, very uh, beautiful, like obsidian color, it is now like just merely like a dark gray, like a Ral Partha uh, figure. And um, and once you've gotten everything stripped all the way off, then you you s- start from step zero and you build it back up with this uh, that same process of like layers of oil and uh, putting it in the oven and building it up and building it up and building it up. And you're basically priming it to be ready to be something you could use to cook that gives you a second, third, fourth, fifth opportunity to take this bit of metal and turn it into something uh, that's valuable for cooking. One of the things
0: that keeps me away from this whole process is just what you said, like the uh, both the cleaning, stripping it down and the building it up is bad fumes and smoke and just like i mean if i had a second house to do it in maybe would be like do i want to have that happening in my house like i suppose the smoke will dissipate and you know easy off i can smell it in my
1: mind's eye now from like my childhood and my you know parents cleaning the oven with that well no this is very much this is very much a an outside or in my case garage mm-hmm. project put
0: a fan right. in the window
1: yeah, I would not. I would not be doing this in the house. I mean, it's the only when we prime our mini figs, like it's very much a, like let's do this outside with gloves, kind of uh-huh. thing. Um, but but it is it is fun, and like I say, it's you know I I I love projects, John. I really I I've, I always have several projects going on at a time that are like weird, shameful obsessions for me for a while, and it keeps my mind and my hands busy. And uh, if you're looking for a project, I think you should try this. Do, do you have a dead one? That you could resuscitate? Do you have one that you could sacrifice?
0: I just got the one, which I. to say they bought when I was married, but who knows how old it is. And yes, it is a lodge, um, and it's fine, like I said, it's there's nothing wrong with it,
1: there's no rust spots. Yeah, like, I, I but, wouldn't mess with that if it does what you need it to do,
0: but but I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try it for my homework. I'm going to try to cook an egg with it, and then next time we meet, I'll let you know, is it actually non stick or is it just like fine for searing steak? If it's, if it's that, again, that's all I need to use it for. If it's fine for searing steaks, then I'm fine. With it. I'm just curious, like, have I unintentionally seasoned this pan over the past 20 something years, or have I just right. Merely not ruined it,
1: yeah, I mean this given what you're doing with it and the fact that it's performing within normal parameters for you, you probably don't want to screw a success, but I mean, I think part of this is when you become a cast iron skillet guy, you do stuff like scour through like a goodwill back in the before times, look for ones of these that are dead that you can bring back, and you know it's a it's a whole thing, but um yeah, it is great because um there's all kinds of stuff where You know, the reason we have more than one knife or more than one pan is because we need different kinds of things. And I love the Calphalon nonstick skillet we have for making things like eggs or whatever. It's great for that purpose. And that one, man, I I go crazy on that one. So, I mean, not only do I clean that thing super hard, I have this stuff I learned about, God, I miss brown owl coffee. Stuff I learned about from brown owl coffee that used to be in our neighborhood, which is this espresso machine cleaner. And this stuff, I can put it in notes. Um, It's so great. It's crazy caustic and you don't need a lot of it. But whatever it is that you need to clean, right now I have a pair of scissors in the bathroom here at my office sitting in a bath of that espresso cleaner because if you got something metal, you got to clean it, it cleans it way down. So let's say, for example, what did we make the other night? Oh, (laughs) we made or didn't make your pasta sauce and had to brown a bunch of stuff and it got real gunky and gross. So again, put the grease into a soup can. You sprinkle some of this espresso machine cleaner into it with hot water. Let it sit for like an hour. Woof. It's amazing. It's so great. It it, like taking off gunky stuff that, that even elbow grease won't get rid of. I'm getting the idea that you are a
0: let-it-sit kind of dishwasher. Like, there's there's a couple different schools of thought, and I, I always remember, oh, like... Oh, there's
1: definitely schools of thought.
0: I was I was raised in a non-let-it-sit household, but then I remember taking home economics in middle school, and the way they taught you in this class to wash dishes was to fill the dish halfway up with soapy water and, like, to wash dishes in it, and I'm like, that's not how you do it, because that's
1: not how I was raised. Yeah, yeah. May I surprise you? Mm-hmm. The two nominal adults in our household have not merely different, but warring points of view on this. Like we yeah. don't have a dishwasher. The dishwasher is us. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one person in the house who thinks it is critically important. The, the sink is not for storage. The sink must have nothing in it at all times if one needs to fill up the, the kettle for the coffee making, like one does not want to have to drain the sink and stick one's hands into cold water because mm-hmm. guess what? The other person in the house is a soaker. Mm-hmm, that's fair. Yes. Does that what, surprise what, you? Do I, I seem like the soaker.
0: Well, you were mentioning like for these, for these hard, well, for these supposedly hard to clean pots like, oh, take your thing and put stuff in it and let it soak. And like, I am not only and am I in the sink clear camp, But I'm in the camp that says, no matter how destroyed a pan is from cooking, just clean it right now. In very, very, very rare cases where you've already tried to elbow grease that stuff off, okay, maybe let it soak. But in a lot of those cases, the soaking doesn't actually help, right? And in cases where soaking does help, you could probably get that stuff off just with a little bit of scrubbing and a little one of those, you know, scrubby sponge type things or whatever. Um, But the the, the school uh, that, you know, the thing I was taught in in middle school of like, fill the sink part way and make it soapy <laughs> and have all the dishes in there and then pick each one up and wash it what that makes is essentially like a like a, like a knife filled dagoba in your kitchen where it's like this <laughs> there's this there's this foamy I, surface i of,
1: hate cutting my finger open underwater and not realizing it until i draw it out and there's blood why was there a knife in the water in this the is not dirty a water Polanski film
0: that you can, in the dirty water that you can't see into it, if there are soap suds in it. So now go dive your hands into there, pull out some disgusting dish, and then try to hold it somewhere between the top of the dirty water and the, the bottom of the <sighs> spigot to find a way to carefully clean it in that tiny little space and then put it in a drying rack or something. Sink has to be clear.
1: No, no water. I mean, talk, talk about laying a trap. It's a, this isn't, this is, you know, it's like, uh, it's a, this area has to stay clear, you know, there's a fire door. Like, you don't put stuff here.
0: We don't have a very big sink. Like, there's not no, that much room. Like, if I have to clean,
1: like, a big
0: pot, there, how much mm-hmm. room do you think there is between where the water Ugh. comes out of my faucet and the bottom of the sink? If you fill that sink up with six <sighs> inches of water, it's just, it's terrible.
1: Oh, my God. I love the three times a year when we agree fervently on something. Yeah. It's it's not that, I mean, you have to use things for what they're for. Now, as far as the part where you are right, I, I feel like, and you can tell me if you disagree, um... I I believe in doing the work, and I believe in doing the elbow grease. But there are times, there are occasions where the best cleaning will involve time. And in that case, if there is something that needs to soak, and it should not soak for more than a little while or maybe overnight. But I I like to operate by a principle. Um, I don't know who invented this idea. This reminds me of Colette from Ratatouille, but. I believe in something that I call clean-as-you-go. So clean-as-you-go, you know, she talked about working clean, right, in Ratatouille, hold your sleeves like this, keep your station clean. Um, there's a, the, so the concept of clean-as-you-go can be applied in so many different ways. One is that when you're making dinner, there, there are some things that you should be, you should be cleaning up immediately uh, just by planning ahead. So if you're chopping vegetables, why not have the compost or a bag for compost right there so you could put the scraps straight into that bag? why let those accumulate? Um, another one could be that while your pasta sauce is cooking in the, um, uh, and the, the water's boiling for, for the pasta, like why not use that as an opportunity to clean all the prep things, right? And so sometimes I'll say to my wife, hey, you know, I clean as I go. I say I clamped as I went. Like that is why the kitchen is not terrible when the meal is done. is because if there is something that you can clean now, why not do it now? And that's this also goes for Christmas morning guess what? You know what you're have on Christmas morning? You're going to have a lot of garbage. You're going to have a lot of recycling. So have a contractor bag in the room where you're opening Christmas presents and put that right. Dad's that, job, I wear every ribbon around my neck and I jam the torn up, torn up paper into the contractor bag. It's still completely chaotic, but I clint as I went.
0: Yeah, people who don't clean as you go must have way more counter space than I do because it's literally impossible not to do that because you will very rapidly in my kitchen, which is it's not super tiny, but there's very little counter space. You'll run out of counter space and you'll run out of sink space. And so, you know, like I see my daughter when she she's in there cooking a lot, but she is a sink piler. She's like, well, the sink is the magic black hole where. (laughs) I, yeah. If I dirty something, I just put it in the sink. And very quickly, there is a mountain in the sink that's so high that were you to turn on the water, water would spray everywhere because it would be bouncing off plates that are like a half an inch from the top of the faucet. And then it's like, okay, now time to drain the pasta. Drain the pasta in what? In, I know. In the sink? The sink that's filled to the top with- I put, You
1: You plan ahead. If you don't plan ahead, what are you going to do? No, what are you going to do? So you're gonna, you've got all these dishes and knives- and hot soapy water in the sink you tell me where we're gonna drain we're we gonna do go into the bathroom she, she doesn't even put water in it she just she, the best thing
0: about it so we have a, a garbage disposal which i endorse i like oh them. nice um, and so she'll pile things in the sink and now it's like underneath there you know seven spoons have fallen to the garbage disposal by now like you can't see them <laughs> but you, know, you know that's happened right so yeah. as you clean the dishes if there's a bunch of food muck in there don't think that you can like start cleaning the dishes and like clean out the food book no you got to get every single thing out of that uh, that sink shove your hand into the garbage disposal which you're never supposed to do fish never. out the spoons fish out the spoons and then start <laughs> cleaning the stuff and that's like oh and by the way that's going to take you 35 minutes but the pasta needs to be drained now so i'm i'm yes i'm big on clean as you go and i also have the garbage bag on Christmas morning where the... uh
1: Oh, this is great, John. We're reconciling. We might have to cancel the show. Where the wrapping
0: paper... Go- I mean, who? Do- but who doesn't have the wrapping paper bag? Like, what is the alternative? Monsters. To just, to monsters. To just have wrapping paper everywhere, you'll never even be able to find your presents.
1: Okay, I got one more for you on this case. And this is, again, contra the quote-unquote soaking model. Who needs
0: to soak... Sometimes it's an excuse not to clean the dish that's hard to clean. There's certain people in this house who uh, I think, yeah, who refuse, well, to, to refuse to clean the cast iron because you're, quote unquote, not allowed to
1: use soap. And so it's too hard to clean. So that's something that I always clean. I think it's closer to Bart and Lisa, you know, agreeing that you don't have to take out the trash unless you're the person who made it fall mm-hmm, over. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, and I, I don't know how green this is, but anytime I'm finished with a dish or a spoon or a glass or whatever, I rinse it out. But rinse it out is not an amateur move. This is a pro move. Hot water, tiny bit of soap. You mostly are doing a short pre-clean of that item. And then you put it right next to the sink in that the dirty dishes to be dealt with area. And boy, that has made all the difference. If you do that, you're going to be such a happier person because you're not going to feel the need to soak. You're going to say, "Oh, hey, macaroni and cheese, guess what? It's still hot and moist. I can, I can hose that off of here, put it down the disposal. Mostly clean it like close enough for government work but then I'm going to do the the real full clean later. I think it's also helpful if you don't have a dishwasher, as we do not, to have, I have those like pads or like dish towels. You know, you put a ton of those out and that's a way where you can quickly like wash a thing at a time, rinse it in hot water, and then stick it on the thing.
0: When I try to teach my children how to do things in the, in the kitchen, I rapidly realize exactly how many things there are to know about it. Like it seems obvious to me that if you have a bowl of ice cream, which the kids tend to do you don't take that bowl of ice cream with a spoon and just put it in the bottom of the sink and walk away? Because when I find <laughs> that two and a half hours later, Ugh. now it's got caked on, dried out ice cream. And it's like, don't the rinse. kids know that when you put something in the sink, you have to like rinse it out? Because if you don't, things will like harden on it. Or like a bowl of cereal, like al- th- almost any meal that you can meet. I'm
1: amazed that they she got it out of her room. Isn't her room yeah. the locust of bowl?
0: Yeah, I try to make them eat like food closer to the kitchen like that. Maybe if it's not like pretzels or something. But anyway, yeah, like... You you can't just take a a thing that you just ate out of and put it in the bottom of the sink and say I'm done because it will yeah. get hard and I I really should I should make them go there after two hours and start using their fingernails to try sort to of scrape
1: off those pieces of rice <laughs> that have welded <laughs> that have
0: welded themselves to the the side uh-huh. of the cup yeah but it rinses out I maybe mean,
1: you should just have an ongoing like twice a week punishment session where you force them to live your life mm, to see what no, it's really like I mean
0: I, I my wife and I talk about this a lot of like what is it going to be like when they have their own places like we I mean they're, they're learning slowly, but that's what I said. There's a lot of things to know. It's like first, you know, get them to put things in the dishwasher because we do have a dishwasher. Second, get them to rinse things if they don't put them in the dishwasher. Third, get them to, you know, know how to clean as you go. Like there's just so much to so much to teach and they can't take it all at once. So you just have to kind of break it into pieces and say, all right, we're going to set that aside and we're not going to concentrate on that. Now we're, you know, we're going to start with like, do not cut your fingers off and then we're, you know, well, actually we'll start with don't burn the house down. Then don't cut your fingers off and you work your way up. We're still. We have some backsliding, and don't burn your house down. By the way, one of my peeves: we have a electric uh, stovetop, one of those flat glass electric stovetops, which I thought I would hate, but I really love it. Uh, I've had gas stoves in the past, uh, and I like the electric stovetop, but it's totally smooth glass, which is great for cleaning and everything. Um, But it also makes my children think that that's just some more counter space and as i said our education does oh not have a lot of God. counter space
1: that's going to burn the house down john it's going to burn the house down they
0: will leave they will leave potholders just on the stovetop i'm like nothing can ever be left on the stovetop except maybe pots and pans maybe <laughs> because even those you <laughs> yeah. can burn the house down with
1: uh, yeah, like yeah, you know what you do you light a match you bust the joint out i was like you can't
0: leave pot, and they're like what the, the big thing is like what the, the burners are going to turn on by themselves like no you're going to turn them on or you're going to leave them on.
1: But it's like leaving your wallet. It's like leaving your wallet on a u- in a urinal in a men's room. We're like, of course, anybody would say, well, that's weird. Why would you leave a wallet? Yeah, no on one's going to pee on the
0: wallet. They'll see it. All, they'll, it's fine. Mean,
1: yeah. And if I forget it, I can always go back and get it. But like, oh, my God, I'm 53. And there's so, re- so many reasons I would never put my wallet on, on a urinal. And like, I feel like this is an ongoing theme on our program, which is that there is a state. The things belong in. We talked about this with your faucet. There's a lot of things. There's a state of sort of locked, normal, default state for items that should be honored unless there's a reason not to. I mean, one reason not to leave your wallet in the men's room, apart from that it's, it's crazy to do that, that's gross, is you'll probably forget your wallet. Why wouldn't you just keep it in your pocket because that's where your wallet belongs? Boy, that seems like an obvious point. Is it? Why would you put something flammable Anywhere that can be flammable, that doesn't make sense. What was it going to do? Turn on by itself? It's not. It's not on. No, it's
0: going to be fine. If it's not on. It's wow. cool. Look, I can touch S- it. See, it's perfectly cool. S- score one for Team Kid. I, exactly because they know. <laughs> Sorry, they know honey, I hadn't thought of that. I, I removed a pot holder from on top of a burner less than an hour ago. Oh my I, God. This is what I, this is my life now. Aside from going around the house and turning off lights, is going to that stovetop every you know? Because I mean, here's the thing. I'm glad in many respects that one or more of my children are learning to prepare themselves food.
1: Like we're making progress along there. You were worried that they would die, John. You were worried that they wouldn't even figure out how to make soup.
0: My son still might die of scurvy because his his food (laughs) choices are not great. Um, but, but when they go in there and cook them something for themselves, I'm proud that they are cooking something for themselves and trying to make healthy meals and, you know, learning about things or whatever. But, and I have to go and remove things from the stovetop and tell them once again that you shouldn't leave things on the stovetop and watch them roll their eyes at me. And it's just it's a long road. It's a long road. So I, you know, hopefully they'll figure it out eventually. maybe it, Like, I, I do wonder, do they have to actually set something on fire to learn? Like, is that the yeah. only way? Because, yep. talking about it's not doing it.
1: This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by going to burrow.com slash diffs. Summer is all about relaxation, whether that means going on vacation or just laying down with a good book. But this summer, a lot of us had to postpone our travel plans. So make your at-home staycation as relaxing as possible. You go and lay on a comfy new sofa from Burrow. You go and get a sofa. You know, what's stopping you? Burrow is practical and versatile. You can assemble your sofa in minutes by yourself. You don't even need any tools. You can add or remove seats as needed. Convert a love seat into a sofa, into a sectional, and back. That's a lot of options. They offer unique features that you won't find in big box furniture store sofas or even other sofas you can get online. Now, stuff like how about this? You have built in USB chargers. What in a sofa? That's right. Your phone's not going to die while you're lounging about. Super handy. Grow sofas have durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant. And get this, there are over 23,000 ways to customize your perfect sofa. You pick your fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, and length. You can add a chaise lounge or an ottoman or both. And uh, their iconic Nomad collection of sofas and sectionals is now available in five shades of performance velvet. I'm going to say that again, performance Velvet. It's their most glamorous upholstery option yet. And you know, it's still durable and stain-resistant. Performance Velvet. But it's more than sofas. You can outfit your entire living room with Burroughs' innovative, adaptable designs from rugs to wall shelves. And creating a stylish, cohesive space is now easier than ever with Burroughs' new collections. You can choose the elegant Serif collection for a mid-century-inspired look, Or pick the versatile Bento collection for functional storage and customization options. Each collection includes a credenza, a bench, a coffee table, and a side table. Man, this is new. That's super cool. You always get fast and free shipping. And zero interest financing. And you know, you know the story. I bought one of these before they were a sponsor. I did not even use an offer code. It just happened that we needed a sofa. We've been shopping for a sofa since Christ was a corporal. We got one. I brought the boxes up, put it together, added the ottoman. Bob's your uncle. I got a sofa. You know, I'm not exactly sweating it. Pretty great. Right now, you can get $75 off your Burrow purchase plus fast and free shipping. You go to slash diffs. That's D I F F S. And check out the site for details. B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash diffs for $75 off performance velvet. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I I do feel like I'm taking crazy pills a lot of the time. I should just relax. I have another household thing. I didn't plan this. This is the cast iron thing
0: of you know, the last second, but this oh, was yeah, my, go, my, go. my original plan was to talk about something something that happened recently that reminded me of something that lets us actually talk about a mini topic that's been there for six months, eight months, a year. I can't even track what, what even is time. Um, the item in mini topic says John's family is hard on furniture.
1: Oh, bl- yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is an evergreen.
0: I think you put it there a long time ago. You I'm keep not talking sure. to John.
1: John. John Siracusa has talked many times about the horrible state of his horrible house. It's uneven floors, the terrible furniture, the thing that holds your media that nobody's allowed to touch, and and it's hard to route the wires. You have a lot of problems with your house, and uh, and, and things like uh, like humidity. Not humidity. What's, what's what's your term? Moisture is the enemy of the homeowner. You have a lot of concerns about your house. One that keeps coming up is the horrible, ugly, terrible some of which is like i guess inherited furniture how you don't like the furniture you have and it's not very nice but even with that that your children are hard on furniture and i wanted to interrogate that
0: yeah we had we had a furniture incident recently which is what brought this to mind but uh Ooh. yeah we do we do not really have much nice furniture and it's a good thing because when when the kids were younger of course toddlers destroy everything but even now that they're older they just continue to destroy stuff but i mean they can be excused a little bit because you know like i I still have not purchased a couch in my life i'm a 40 something year old man i've never purchased a couch (laughs) all of my couches have been hand-me-downs from relatives my current two couches came from my grandparents house wow Uh, and they're not attractive uh but they're fine like they're they do the job and when we're shopping for new couches which we do on again off again for the past many years I'm comparing it to our current couch saying it's got to be at least like this because, you know, here's, I, I do stuff on my current couch. I sit on it. I lay on it. It works a certain way. It has to fit in a certain space. So any new couch to,
1: that we get to replace, it has to be similar to that. But there's, th- couches are so costly. Also, it's a, it's a, it's a costly mistake. If you don't get the one that was right for you, now you got a big thing in your house. Don't you don't like, and you could be too grand you know yeah uh, and, and i it. and i
0: don't even mind the price if i could find one that i like and so we mm-hmm. do what we do is we shop for them when we're like back when we used to go out of the house uh when you're just wandering around shopping and if there's any place that sells couches we go and we sit and lay on all of them <laughs> we just we sit on them we lay on them we look at <laughs> each other, other. Ones you
1: couldn't even sit in yeah that's what
0: we do we we sit on them we look <laughs> at each other's faces and you go hmm, mm, mm.
1: A well, hard, time, but John, people forget you get so used, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there's, you get so used to the one you've got, and you go, "This is gross, it's got stains, whatever." But let me just give you just a few angles on this. First of all, uh, even if you use like an AR app or similar, it is so easy to accidentally get a couch that's just a slightly different scale mm-hmm. overall than you expected. But that's just the beginning. How high up off the ground will the seat be? How deep is the seat? How high is the armrest? Is this armrest different? Is that going to screw up like how you like to like to do your thing? What are the legs going to be like? There are so many things and it's very difficult to get all of them right just in terms of proportion size, even before you get to, is this even comfortable to sit on?
0: Yeah. And I have all those measurements. I have like a little notes document with all those I had a notes document I
1: mean, for three years before we bought a new couch. Yeah. Yeah. All those different measurements. Most
0: recently, like I think it was maybe a couple of weeks before COVID, we were somewhere and we were sitting on couches and I found one that I was like, wow, this is... This is really a contender. I'm finding it comfortable. Like you said, the, the arm, the arms aren't too high or too low. They're the right shape. The The cushions are wide. Like the, Like our current couches, I have some complaints about too, because when I lay down on them, I feel like it's a little bit tight. So I could use one or two inches more in this area. And I was like, this This couch is really measuring up. Uh, my wife was there too. And she sat on it. My wife is a small person. And she's like, oh, I don't like this couch because the, the seat length, like horizontally, it's too long. My little feet can't like, you know, I can't. Oh, yeah. To, like my back can't be against the thing with it's, it's my a knees thing. hanging over the <laughs> edge. and I'm like, oh, but that's, I wanted it to be wider because when I lay down, I want room for both of my arms to be on the you couch. About, from, you
1: about, I'm sorry, you're talking about width of a given portion or you're talking about the depth of the seat? The
0: depth of the cushion. Like if you imagine you're sitting with your back against the, the couch cushion and your thighs go out straight and at a certain point, your knees make a right angle and go down.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for, like on the chair that I've got that your wife has, that is adjustable. You could choose like basically yep. how deep it is mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised that way before stuff like lumbar support, that has such an impact. If you're going to be having to sit a lot, it makes such a difference to get yep. that right.
0: And my legs are way longer than my wife's. And so with this couch was nice and deep because when I lay on my couch long ways and I have both of my arms on the couch, oh, I don't want to feel yep. like one of my arms is, is being pushed off the edge and our current couch is borderline. So I'm like, hey, I can use a few more inches there. But a few more inches there means that my wife, her feet stick out like a little person.
1: Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't get long. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Like when you go to one of those, like a children's museum and there's the big chair and uh-huh. the chair yeah. so you can
0: understand scale. Yeah. So that's, so that couch is a note, you know, anyway, I have a lot of, what I've been doing now is also when we go see the couches, I have a second note where I take pictures of the couch. That's smart. This is, this is what notes is actually great for. The the make and model and the, and the tags. And just like, just in case we ever go like, oh, we need a couch desperately. It's like, well, what's the best one we've seen recently? But Anyway, our couches are slowly being destroyed just by, you know, I mean, my daughter is mostly smearing chocolate into them. Just from Ooh, nice. sitting on them, they're getting worn through. Uh, you know, they're they're not in great condition. Um, but that's 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 aside. The the incident that we had recently, I mean, if you look at any of our furniture, it's pretty beat up. Like even the quote unquote mm-hmm. nice dining room table that we got uh many years back, the table itself is pretty good because we've been really good about always having tablecloths and placemats on it so the kids can't really get to the nice surface, but the chairs are all destroyed because they sit
1: directly on them with their terrible butts. They're I don't know, filled <laughs> with rocks. <laughs> do they, do they yeah, well, the 2 i think the two biggest risks i feel like off the dome two biggest risks with kids and furniture are what i'm gonna call dropping and grinding there's oh, the, the drop the grinding, which yeah. is my my kid has never used the muscles of her body to do anything but basically <sighs> trip onto the couch with a thump it's mm-hmm. like can you just can you just Lower yourself gently onto the couch. No, it's impossible. But then after you thump, then you grind like, like the great Rick James. You just, there's lots of grinding that's going on. With rocks in your pockets. Kimbo. Well, and like, you know, you know, that thing in engineering is a very Dr. Drang sort of thing where like, it takes a surprisingly small amount of repeated, a certain kind of repeated motion to, for example, unseat a screw. Like it only takes a thousandth of an inch at a time in rotation And eventually the leg will fall off Mm -hmm. because of all your dropping and grinding, you've now made our couch vulnerable with your grinds.
0: Yeah. My my kid's favorite move is imagine just a very sort of uh, platonic ideal of a dining room table. It's got four legs at the corners and a big dining (laughs) room table.
1: Is it a dining room table shaped dining room table? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like, but there's no, nothing fancy underneath there are four legs and they're at the corners and that's it. Right. What kids love to do is they love to, when they sit down or get up from the table, to push with all their might on the edge of the table at like a 45 degree angle so they're not pushing down on the table they're pushing one of
1: those lawnmower signs
0: it says not a step they're pushing at a 45 (laughs) degree angle what they want to do is take this table which looks from the side it looks like a rectangle they want to turn into a parallelogram and they're using their entire weight of their now you know 100 something pound bodies to Uh press and it's like the table is not made of infinitely strong material. You are slowly bending the legs. Every time you do that, I see the table shift a little,
1: little bit. I know. And it, just, this is not an ADA railing at a, at a public men's room. It's not there to hold your weight. They're just loosening it up.
0: They're loosening all the joints. And it's like, it was... Oh, anyway, so they're, they're brutal. And of course, you know, this is a wooden table with no... Has, we learned the lesson from the first table. We got, this, we got this before we had kids, right? So we didn't know. But anyway, we had... Our, the first set of table and chairs we got had uh, squishy seats for your butt with fabric over them. And, of course, you can't have fabric on a seat if you have children. And it was white fabric, so forget about that. So mm. gone. So the new table and then the, all the tables we have since are just wood. There's no padding of any kind. It's just literally wood everywhere. And they scraped those wooden seats to hell. And then the wood table is on a hardwood floor. And even if you put on those little paddy things on the feet, the kids somehow find a way to embed a rock in the pad and then grind the seat that they're plop their body into with the rock stuck in the pad and scrape the hard You know, like they
1: say, like the sharks are a perfect, like, what do they say? A perfect killing machine? Mm Like, it's like your kids have been like years of breeding have let them become the perfect furniture destroyers.
0: And, and it's because, like, kids, you know, I talk about empathy for the machine when programming and thinking about what the computer is going to have to do based on your instructions to be uh, better yeah. performing programs. They don't yeah, have yeah. empathy for any of the items in the house because they don't care about them. They didn't pay for them. They don't care about how they're going to deteriorate. They don't have the <laughs> they idea. They don't know of the- how
1: it got there. They don't know how it would be replaced. It's completely out of context. It's, it's, it's like the same amount of sympathy you would have for a seat at a bus station.
0: Right. And yes, exactly. But, but even more so than that, I don't think they have the concept of the passage of time, that things may be different in the future than they are now. So you're right. like, what? Well, the chair is fine now. And it's like, yes, but if you keep doing that uh, a year from now, the chair won't be uh, fine. God. It's like, what is year from
1: now? This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting Eero.com slash this. Well, here's a hard truth. These days, your house is no longer just your home. It's an office, it's a school, it's a movie theater, it's a restaurant, same house, many uses, and all those activities are going to put a lot more strain on that Wi-Fi. You got to get, get yourself straightened out, get yourself an Eero. It's not good enough. If it's only good in one room or two, you move around, whoa, whoa, where'd the Wi-Fi go? I don't know. But you need solid Wi-Fi in your whole house so everyone isn't working on top of each other. Gross. You need Eero, Right. Eero, an Amazon company, covers your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi inside and out. Rooms with bad to no Wi-Fi, dropouts on your patio, Eero makes every square foot of your house usable by eliminating poor coverage and dead spots. You'll have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. You can be on a work call, the kids can be remote learning, my kids remote learning, and someone can even be streaming videos all at the same time without any buffering. When you have Eero, Eero is fast and it's easy to set up. You just plug it into your modem and you're good to go. You manage Eero from a super simple app. They call it super simple. Yeah, it is super simple, but it's also super powerful. I could go on for the whole episode about how much I love the Eero app. You can pause for dinner and I love this. You get alerts if any device attempts to join your network. I will decide who is on my Eero network. We're asking a lot of our Wi-Fi Eero can help yours do more. So right now, please go to Eero.com slash Diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S. Enter the very special offer code Diffs at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O.com slash Diffs. Code Diffs at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. Eero.com slash Diffs. Code Diffs. They can just use that. That's free. (sighs) Love Eero. For real. Well, thanks to Eero for the support of reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. From your mouth to God's ear, John, you just nailed it, man. That's it. You have no context for what all these little. I mean, how do you think the Grand Canyon got formed? Well, mm-hmm. somebody left the water on. Yeah, no, they weren't around for that, so they don't know. So anyway,
0: no. fast forward here. The the incident in question. The incident in question is that. My wife was moving some furniture, which is a whole other topic of the many topics we'll get through someday about people in my house moving furniture. My wife was moving some furniture to clean under it. So you can't say you can't really complain because she's you know, it's she's cleaning. It's like you've got to complain about the cleaning, why don't you just do it yourself? Right. So she was cleaning yeah, under yeah. some furniture, moving it. She made some bad choices about moving the furniture. This is a this is a, a chest of drawers. And chest of drawers can be heavy, especially if it's all filled with your clothes, and plus it's a big wooden thing. And This is apparently a thing that she does all the time, but for whatever reason, this time when she moved it, she kind of scraped it along, again, the hardwood floors, Uh. and then put it back. And so when she was done, there is a long straight gouge from one of the four corners of the thing along our floor, plus also a bonus squiggly gouge. A squiggly gouge for is it like a hesitation mark? Like what Yeah, so I'm saying. Like maybe this thing was like there was a push straight, but then when moving it back, there was a lift up and a squiggle. Anyway, like deep gouges in the hardwood floor. Now, this this made me think of something like this happened. This we've had this is this is in our bedroom, right? And so we've had another incident on the same hardwood floor in our bedroom where she spilled some nail polish remover on the floor mm-hmm. and then she decided she was going to try to wipe it up. Mm. Spilling nail polish remover on the floor bad if you have hardwood floors that are finished with anything. Mm-hmm. Trying to wipe it super
1: bad because now you're just maybe just spreading it around yeah yes exactly so it, t- it took the finish off the floor whatever i think that john technically i think that falls under grinding
0: yeah so i th- what this made me think of this time when i saw this gouge because it's like well here's this gouge, and it's like you know i was expressing to her my explaining to her my reaction to it which is basically like shrug like um you know nothing like that oh well like put another notch in the in the in the house essentially like yep like there's (laughs) yeah there's nothing we can do about that we've talked about this a lot of like our house being the you know the tile puzzle where maybe when the kids go off to college assuming that ever is a thing again when they go Mm -hmm. off to college the tile puzzle will have an empty blank and then we can move all the furniture from this room to the other room and then refinish these floors unfortunately the, the hardwood floors in our house are connected through the entire floor so you can't just refinish one room. What? You'll re- what? You, you can't just refinish one room because then you'll have a gap at like the hallway, which is the That's continuation so
1: bizarre. I've never, I mean, I know for example that like something Roderick is, was talking about like in his mom's beautiful old house was that they were cut. F- I think they were cut from like beautiful, very, very long trees, you know? So all all the boards were like sort of contiguous, but I feel like a hallmark of flooring in the modern age is that we try to make it so that parts can be replaced. Like, that's why tiles are tiles instead of, like, one big piece of tile. Yeah, no, not 1930s when this thing was
0: made. Um, No, it's just the entire first floor is one big continuous hardwood floor, and the entire second floor is one big continuous hardwood floor. But anyway, assuming someday we can get that stuff out of there, yeah, all the floors in the house, of course, need to be refinished. Every rooms needs to be repainted. We all know that. But but until that day, it's not like we can refinish that. I'm not going to go sit there and try to refinish to spot fix and refinish and sand down that one little spot because it would take a lot of labor. I would do a bad job. I would get dust everywhere. And in the end, it's like, what have you done for those hours that you just spent and time and money? Just yeah. ignore it. Like it's it's well, a- and
1: no, no ROI. But also, I mean, there is a certain point in dad life where you go like, mm, you know, this is going to happen four more times. Like there's an area in our house, and of course we rent because we live in California. But like there's an area, uh, like we call it the nook, which is like the dining area. It's where like you know craft activities happen for my kid. And what has happened to that floor over the years is a crime against humanity. It has been pooped on, and peed on by the cat so many times. So much Mod Podge has fallen. So much like rubbing alcohol has fallen, and it really. It, it, it's scarred in so many different ways. There's not even one way that you could look at it and go, well, that's kind of bad. It's almost, it's like a, it's like a tapestry of errors.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, at a certain point, like that becomes the look. It, like it's it's almost worse when you get the first scratch, when you get the 900th scratch, just like, oh, that's yeah. just a floor. But, that is. And yeah, that's well, kind that of the problem like with these hardwood is that they're, especially in our bedroom, it's pretty undamaged. Like I feel like where where our bed sits on it, it's a little bit damaged because we didn't do a good job putting like, fuzzy feet on the on the wood bed because it was wood you know uh, and then some around the furniture maybe it's a little bit scrapey but this and the nail polish remover thing kind of stand out but what can you do and this what this made me think of do you see this word i highlighted in the show notes is that word google bring look bring any bells to you don't google it just look at
1: the word um
0: can you pronounce it, that it word was that word
1: uh zentrade it looks anime yeah you got it. actually well, well i mean not anime but like dragon balls yeah, I think I spelled something it something like that. I guess I spelled it wrong there. Well, there. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what that means. So I'm right. not going to look it up.
0: Well, well, we will have a link in the show notes. Uh, it's Zentradi, which is a uh, race of alien beings from the uh, Robotech saga, which is an Americanized sort of hmm. remix of a Japanese show. That's uh, different from Dragon Balls. Yeah, and I, I watched okay. the show when I was a kid, uh, and one of the some it's from the show macross uh the the original japanese show macross but they sort of i've heard of that is
1: that a mecha show
0: yeah but they it's one of these sort of seminal mecha shows and they 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 made robotech for the u.s by essentially writing i mean it's not an entirely new story but it's it's very different obviously you know the the characters are the same and the basic structure is kind of the same but a lot of it is a lot of it's modified for american audiences um and i i love robotech you, you know even say oh you should like the original i've seen the original i like that too but i originally saw robotech as a kid not macross this is all i had access to and i don't know if this i don't re- recall if this aspect is in macross or justin robotech i think it's justin in Rob- robotech to try to explain some scenes because they couldn't change the the video they couldn't change what was on the screen they could only change the audio
1: right well that, that's the beauty of 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 a lot of the the stuff like I feel like that's part of the beauty of like, obviously, the, the famous one is, um, what's the five people in different colored suits? Power Rangers? Mm-hmm. M- Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yep. Or Ultraman, or any of those things. Ultraman was like my jam as a kid, is that you can make that whatever it needs to be for any country, because yeah. there's no mouths to have it sync up with. There were
0: mouths here, but you could, but they basically told a slightly different story. So they had to... And they did a lot with the voiceover because like again you can't touch the video the video is the video All <laughs> right, you can do audio right and so the a camera would be panning over some stuff and they'd be like uh we should say something when this camera is panning over this because what they're really oh, saying oh, is something oh. that's not related to our story <laughs> so <laughs> we'll say no good <laughs> so the zentradi are this these, these uh scary alien beings uh and they, they're 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 a race, uh, a race bred for war um you know, they're they're just supposed to be warriors. That's all they do. Every single their society is built around war. Every the job everyone has is warrior, uh, and they're used by some other race as their sort of you know th- as a weapon. Uh, but they're off on their own now, and they're attacking humans on Earth uh and then their spaceships they have you know the Earth and what, have... what is
1: their what is their i mean i understand that they they're like the like the, the warhammer <laughs> i'm thinking of the recent flop house. they're like the warhammer race but like so we know that they're good at this what is the goal of the zentradi
0: well because they were bred for war all they know is war so it's conquest is their only goal right well oh, kind
1: of like the um the star trek characters with the crabs on their head like they're, they're just very bellicose
0: yeah like that's their whole deal like it's just it. con- it's conquest and you know and and y- they, they again this is robotech not macros right and so they have battles We're with pretty, humans. pretty deep in the stack for me yeah. here but i'm trying to they, they, they have battles with humans and during the course of the battles you know the humans get stuff blown up and the zentradi ships get shot up and blown up right and at a certain point there's this thing where the the humans are captured by the zentradi and they're trying to sort of prison break out of the ship and they're wandering through the ship and at various points they're going through areas and their ship is like wrecked like Crap is broken all over the place and like the, the gunshots or whatever from the previous battle are still there and, you know, the, all their computer screens are broken and there's space junk floating through their spaceships. Right. And the explanation in universe and Robotech is that and it's even on the Wikipedia page that we we'll link is that Zentradi don't know how to repair anything because none of them are trained to be repair people oh my
1: god so they can't even help fix the mess they made right so their only alternative oh my god, is that's
0: so good john their only alternative is to conquer new things and take their <laughs> stuff right because they can't actually fix their own stuff
1: right like if like for example if you like to have two towels every day every night at seven when you take a shower you get two towels you use two towels you leave two towels on the floor and you never think about how the towel got there, how it got cleaned, and whether it will ever be cleaned again. The, 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 they just trained for war. Yeah. So, uh, me, so, she, uh, well, the war, yes. So, absolutely. I'm
0: looking at this big scratch ah. in my floor and I'm thinking, I'm just like the Zentradi on their ship. The, the ship, the house is damaged during the course of like living in it, but I don't fix it. It's just, well, from now on, for like for the rest of this series, this, this screen and this ship is going to be broken. This is my command ship. <laughs> and from episode three to episode 26, that screen will be broken. And so from for me, like from now until essentially my kids leave the house, that big scratch is going to be there alongside the nail polish remover thing, alongside all the other things. It's like and and, and the squiggly and the squiggly uh, hesitation drags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I realize I'm my house is a giant Zentradi warship and I am a Zentradi not trained to repair anything. I mean, it's not as strictly true because I do do little projects to improve things here and there
1: yeah but i mean it's it's i mean you're 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 it's very sisyphean yeah and
0: the thing is like when i look at for those certain class of problems i'm totally zentradi for other things like i i try to maintain like i was to give to give an example during the early covid times when we didn't know whether touching stuff was a big vector for yeah spread you gotta you gotta you gotta wipe your mail and stuff right i was wiping my doorknob Right. Because if anyone
1: came oh, to the door. Easy. It's right? a family show. Yeah.
0: that With like Clorox wipes or whatever, you know, or yeah. like uh, bleach spray and stuff like that. If we had people coming in and out for whatever reason, you know, like I was cleaning the doorknob whenever it needed to be done. Right. But if you're I don't remember what I was using. I think it was Clorox cleanup or, or maybe it was a bleach solution or whatever it was or maybe it was yeah, fantastic, sure. whatever it was. After doing that for like a month, I noticed that when you t- put the key into my door and tried to turn it, it was all. Stiff and crunchy, and the doorknob that used to be nice and smooth was feeling kind of <gasps> gross. And I'm like, it got, it got gunky. You know? Yeah, You can't really get like that. Those parts have to be lubricated. But my constant spraying of—I and I don't even think I was spraying the doorknob. I was just spraying a paper towel and using the paper towel. It on probably the like sort of seeps in, right? And so I had to disassemble that entire doorknob. Uh, you know, lube the whole thing up. You know, put you know, oil it up and clean out all the gunk and put it back together and make it smooth again. So I'm—I'm I'm, certain things I'm definitely maintaining, and you know. I did a bunch of lawn maintenance this weekend and trimming branches before the winter comes and whatever. Like I'm in general maintaining, but there are certain classes of problems that are 100% Zentradi and any scratch (laughs) on my hardwood floor. It's like, well, that's going to be like that until. (laughs) Well, now, technically now that's just part of the house. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, Peeling paint is similar to that because not because I don't know how to paint, but it's because do you know what it would take to paint this room? Oh, you know what that would be, John? That would be a whole thing. I'd have to have another house to put the things that are in this room into before I could paint this room. And that's, you know, before, and then oh, by so, the way... And now,
1: now you've got, like, now you're kind of like in a Borges novel. So you have to wait for the people next door to move so that could become yeah, your storage just, house.
0: Yeah. Uh, don't be creepy about it. We are just just before this show, we are having a conversation about someone in the local neighborhood who has a very large fancy house uh, that they gutted and restored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the gutting and restoring, they bought the house next door to them so they could live in that while it was gutted and restored. Are you kidding me? And then... After they gutted and restored it, they decided there was another house they wanted and they're gutting and restoring a yet larger house in the same neighborhood. So these people currently own three houses.
1: John, that is a lot
0: of exposure. I don't want to tell you how much these houses cost, but it's... No, but I bet it's <laughs> not trivial. No, it's it's very... But anyway, I looked at that and said, yes, that's how you do it. If you gut your house, you should buy the one next to it and live in
1: that one. I've had I've had a fantasy. I've had a fantasy since 1991 where I've wanted... I'm sure I've told you this, but I have this fantasy where... And this, this, there's like a, um, a mini, or as you say, mine-eye version of this that I deal with that I did as recently as yesterday, which is I want some big, strong men in a truck to pull up in front of my house. I want them, they're, they're movers. Let's call them movers. And the movers are going to take every scrap of stuff out of my house and pack it into the moving van. But hang on, instead of moving, now I'm just going to put back the stuff that I want. And then the rest gets driven away to somewhere.
0: Did I tell you that I had... I had half of that happen.
1: I think I've mentioned
0: this before. When I lived in Georgia. Tell me again. Lived in Georgia mm-hmm. and my wife was going to graduate school and then she graduated and she got a job up here in Massachusetts. And the job it's a job that she still has today. It's a good job. Uh wow. and they, they paid oh, that's
1: amazing. She's had one job that whole time. Yeah, they paid that's for awesome. paid okay. for
0: us to move from Georgia to Massachusetts. They paid for a moving company to come. Now this is our our you know eight hundred square foot apartment in Georgia, the first place we had ever of our own after we were married. Um, and it didn't have a lot of furniture. We, everything we there, we bought ourselves except for the couch. That was a hand-me-down, um, that my, that my first dog destroyed. (laughs) Hmm. It was worth it. RIP. Um, so it was (laughs) like, it's a one, it was a one bedroom. Uh, we had, we had some kitchen stuff. We had a small kitchen table with those aforementioned cloth chairs. We had a couch, we had a computer desk, uh, bed dressers. That's about it. Uh, washer Mm -hmm. and dryer.
1: And then like household. Stuff, yeah, like and then, and, you stuff. know, dishes, dishes, cups, all that stuff. So yeah, it's not, sure. not a lot of
0: stuff. But anyway, the company paid for movers to come. This is the first. And so far, and, and I still think the only time I've seen movers in action for real. And people came and they packed our entire house. It's exactly like the beginning of that thing, like having people come, professional people come and pack literally everything you own. The only thing yeah. I packed was, of course, my books because they're not allowed to touch those. But other than nope. my books, nope.
1: they'd they break the spine on your uh, uh, dark tower yes, or whatever. Packing, packing my books was the whole thing.
0: I packed my books, but everything else they packed and put And when you don't have a lot of stuff, as we didn't then, it's surprisingly compact. Like your whole life, it was like this big cavernous truck. And you look at your whole life in this distant corner of the truck like that's it. That's it's like, yes, that's everything you own. It's in that little corner and they packed everything up and wrapped it in the paper and all did all the things. Oh, we had a big CRT TV.
1: And that was tricky for them to uh, pack as well. That is an amazing experience. You, you see that in, in, in the worst and don't not to bring the room down, but in the worst possible sad way, when you see those horrible photos of people who've been evicted from houses and you're like, oh, yeah, sorry. You're like, yeah. Oh crap. That sucks. Like it's like, yes, I recognize that as a mattress. I recognize that as a little tyke's, like play thing. And like, I know that little ridey thing. And like, it's so painful to see people there on the
0: curb. And then you're just waiting for it to start raining.
1: Oh my God. I mean, I know you don't think about that in California, but that's all I think about when I see those things. We don't like, get you rain can't. here, but I, I did, I did the trick literally yesterday. And, and you know, me, what happens when dad gets a box Look out! when, if dad has gotten to the point where he gets a box where dad has constructed a banker's box, do I have banker's boxes around for this purpose? You bet I do. I grab me a banker's box. I put it together and I go like this. Bressa, fresa, schnagel, bressa. And I go to the big drawer on the kitchen island that pokes me constantly. This place has basically become a museum of poking title. And, and it's just all stuff like the little pigs that are corn cob holders and like the little sushi making machine. And it's just where everything not that useful goes to die. And you know what I do? I go in there and I got pricked. Yeah, I got pricked twice by the pigs. I, t- I take all of that out. That all goes into the banker's box. And then, you know what we do, John? We grab something out of the banker's box. And if it's something we will continue to use, it gets to go live in the drawer again. Otherwise, two weeks, it all goes. If we didn't need it, then we're probably not going to need it. We could replace it. I don't, I don't want to be somebody who like wastes a lot of stuff, but like my, I don't want my house to turn into a, like a, a store it yourself facility. Stuff's got to go. It's got to. Things need to leave my house, John. Things need to leave my house.